We continue our worship with the reading of God's holy word, after which we will join in a sung response. So keep your bulletins handy. The scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, and we are reading verses 19 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot driver went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for the gift that it is to be in your presence this morning and to be in the presence of one another. We pray, God, that your spirit would move freely, that it would soften our hearts, that it would open our ears so we could hear your word fresh and new this morning. May we be challenged by it. May we be lifted up by it. May we receive hope and joy through it. And may it draw us closer to you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So just shy of 16 hours ago, you can do the math, our wheels touched down in Phoenix and our youth group safely returned home from their Montreat Youth Conference in North Carolina. 13 youth, many of which are here today, I'm impressed. Thirteen youth, four adults, six days together, experiencing God's creation, participating in inspiring worship, and discussing in small groups the theme, In Joy. As soon as I heard the theme for this year, I knew I wanted to preach on that today. I was so excited. I chose what scripture I would talk about. I started brainstorming. So you can imagine my struggle when Pastor Eric comes into my office with this look on his face. I knew he was up to something. I didn't like it. <laughs> he shares, I want to do a series on women of the Old Testament. Awesome. I love that idea. When do you want to do it, Eric? July. That's my planned week of joy. 
I don't want, I don't want to do that. Oh, sure, you can do that. My eyes rolled so hard, I bet Dylan and David could see them from here. That's how hard they rolled. So you see, there's the pool of scripture, right? And then you say the pool of women to choose from in scripture. And then you reduce that pool to joyful women in scripture. And then, what testament? Thanks, Eric. I had a drop to choose from. I actually didn't even have much faith that I could choose. And with hesitation, I agreed to consider his proposal. And he left my office more hopeful than I would have left had the roles been reversed. But then I sat down and I opened up the scriptures for Montreat Week. And there it was. Exodus 15. If you read the Exodus story too quickly, or if you just simply try to recall the overarching details of the story, you would probably miss her appearance altogether. It's just seven verses. Thankfully, our Montreat leaders did not miss her. In fact, she was the opening scripture on Monday, the whole day. So when we first meet Miriam in Exodus 2, she's a young girl. She has two brothers, you might have heard of them, Aaron and Moses. Pharaoh orders all newborn Hebrew boys be thrown into the Nile, so Moses' mother puts him in a basket, places him on a river, and downstream, Miriam waits. Not too far, not too close. And Pharaoh's daughter sees this baby, scoops him up out of the river, and then with perfect timing, and an ingenious plan, Miriam steps forward and offers to find a woman to nurse the child. And the woman Miriam suggests is none other than Moses' mother, their mother. Now we hear nothing more of Miriam until many, many years later. After growing up in Pharaoh's household, Moses encounters the God of Israel in a burning bush. And God sends Moses and his brother Aaron on a mission to free the Israelites from 430 years of slavery. And after some persuasive plagues, Pharaoh reluctantly agrees to let the Israelites go free. Yet almost immediately, he has this change of heart and sends his soldiers to pursue them. And now during their escape, the Israelites come up to the Red Sea. They can see Pharaoh's soldiers on the horizon. They feel the dread setting in, but it is not the end. God miraculously parts the sea for the whole nation to pass through. And once each person is safely on the opposite shore, the walls of water crash back into one another, drowning all of Pharaoh's soldiers and their horses. The nation of Israel sighs deeply with relief. Their knees are still shaking. Their nerves are on the edge. Their hearts pounding. And then a song bursts Sing to the Lord, 
for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. And the sounds of tambourine break through the air. It's Miriam. She's dancing and singing. And then soon all the women join in Miriam's song of victory, making a joyful noise to praise God, their liberator, their savior. One commentator on Miriam writes, if she created the song, she clearly has gifts to string words together and put them to music, weaving a story as she goes. If she was a song leader, she demonstrates a gift to get people singing together. If you've ever led worship, you know this is no easy task. Now the fact that Miriam is mentioned as a song leader suggests she has a significant role amongst her community. So let's review, she's a worship leader. She's courageous, she's well-timed, she's wise. Outside of a few brief mentions of her name, the only other time Miriam occurs in scripture is in Numbers 12. She and her brother Aaron question and grumble about Moses' leadership. And this ultimately angers God, who corrects and deflates their puffed-up ego with a bout of leprosy, I might add. And as much as I did not want to mention that part of her story, I have to, because it's a good lesson to remember. Like all of us, Miriam is human. And even though she's called a prophet, she's not perfect. And even though she's not perfect, God still chooses her to be a leader. And now, interestingly enough, though, the majority of studies have historically focused on the bad girl era from Numbers. But today, we get to focus on the Miriam of Exodus 15. And with the help of Pinnacle's youth, we will hopefully learn a thing or two about joy. You see, each year, Montreat's theme is chosen by teenagers, by previous campers. So this theme of joy chosen by teens was chosen by teens because they're curious. They want to learn more. And I would like to point out a few things before we get it. If you think the youth today are not thinking theologically, if you think the youth of today don't want to have deep and meaningful conversations about God and about how their faith informs their life and the decisions they make, and if you think the youth are the future of the church, you would be wrong. And I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you. Our young members are the body of Christ now. They are thoughtful, they are wise, they are faithful, they want to talk about theological things. They are the leaders now. And I've never been so hopeful for the church as I am now after spending a week with not just our youth group, but hundreds of youth. And we would be wise to sit up a little, to lean in a little, to listen and to learn from what they have to say. So on our last night together, I asked our youth group to write letters to you. And our lesson today comes from our high schoolers. 
inspired by what we learned this week about joy. So Pinnacle, this is what they want you to know. First, joy is not the same as happiness. They write, Dear Pinnacle Presbyterian Church, During our experiences at Montreat, we discussed and discovered what it means to have joy through Christ. First, we learn the differences between joy and happiness. Unlike happiness, joy is not circumstantial. And so we can use our faith as a source of joy in our lives. Amen? Joy is not happiness. Happiness is temporary. It is circumstantial. I'm happy because my team won the game, because my investment portfolio performed well this year, because I was accepted into my dream college. Joy, however, is not based on current circumstances. Rather, it's a lasting state of being focused on God and focused on God's eternal truths. The psalmist writes, you heard it this morning, I'll say it again, in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Joy is a gift we receive through being in relationship with God. So it's completely possible to not be happy and yet still know joy. In fact, we need to tap into joy during hard times and in the bleak times. For as our high schoolers go on to explain, joy is a defiant act against despair. You might want to write that one down on your bulletin. Joy is a defiant act against despair. To choose joy does not mean we are lying to ourselves about the reality. To choose joy in the face of grief and difficulty is actually a courageous act. To choose joy is to acknowledge that there is always hope because we have a Savior who loves us. We do this every time we attend a funeral. We choose to focus on the joy of the resurrection hope that we have in Jesus Christ. To choose joy is to allow ourselves to rely on God for our strength rather than to lean on our own abilities. Consider the Apostle Paul. He writes from prison, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's possible to be in a place where you don't want to be, whether physically or emotionally, and yet still have joy. Because as our youth explain, joy is not a destination. Their letter continues, joy can especially be found throughout our journey rather than a pre-planned destination. So if you were told you had to leave home and instructed to quickly pack whatever you could carry, and it's not just theoretical, our neighbors up the road just had to do this with the wildfire, right? If you were told you're gonna leave home, bring what you can carry, what would you bring? Tambourine would not be on my list. <laughs> Miriam and the other woman packed their tambourines. They were prepared to praise. Miriam knew there would be joyful praise along the way, regardless of where the nation of Israel would find themselves. When Miriam sang the song of victory, it wasn't over. The Israelites were at the beginning of 40 years in the wilderness. 
40 years before they would arrive in the promised land. They were only at a rest stop along the way, yet Miriam stopped to celebrate. They had the whole journey to go, yet at this moment, they chose to party. A few months ago, we had a theologian and author, Andy Root, come and talk with our staff here at Pinnacle. He shared some thoughts about the good life that have been stuck in my head ever since. The good life, it might look something like this. Getting good grades, to get into good college, to get a good job, to make a lot of money, to save up for retirement, to finally be able to enjoy the good life when you're 65, if you're lucky. Now the details might differ, but I think most of us tend to have a good life goal in mind. And I can tell you I've witnessed so many people working and wasting their time away because as soon as they reach the goal, something happened, whether it be illness, whether it be death, that prevented them from enjoying that thing. And I've seen many people finally achieve the good life only to discover it doesn't bring them the joy that they expected. If you think joy and celebration are reserved for only when you finally achieve the goal, the degree, the perfect weight, the initials behind your name, or is it in front of your name? I don't have them. <laughs> the title the house in the right zip code, the account balance. If you think it's reserved for then, you're missing out. You're missing out on opportunities to praise God. You're losing an opportunity to exercise a critical spiritual muscle of praise, of adoration, and of thanksgiving. And you're missing out on training your eyes to see and hear how God is present and how God is providing for you throughout your journey, no matter what the journey looks like. It is fuel to continue in your journey. So think about it right now. Where are you? What can you joyfully celebrate today? It might be that you showed up. It's worth the celebration. So we're on to the high schoolers' next point, authentic joy. Ooh, I like this. They write, we learn so much about expressing our joy in our own individual ways. For example, some of us really respond to musical praise, shout out to the choir, while others prefer a more meditative form of worship. Miriam danced and sang and played the tambourine. Mary sang the Magnificat. I'm not advocating for it, especially in this space, but David danced naked. Two of our youth used their gifts on stage to lead worship. Kyle played percussion. Ryan played the clarinet. They led hundreds and hundreds in praising God joyfully. Here at Pinnacle, we see others express joy through art and hospitality. I know people who express their joy through writing prayers and poetry and stories. Our Montreat preacher and co-moderator of our denomination, Ruth Santana Grace, urged each of us to discover our language of joy. She says it doesn't have to be loud, it just has to be yours. What is your language of joy? How do you proclaim it and celebrate it? And finally, there is joy in community. Pinnacle Youth go on to write, 
a church community can bring about an incredible amount of joy, for joy is contagious. Miriam may have started the song, but soon all the other women came out with their own tambourines to join in this joyful noise. Our God exists in community. The Trinity, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit exists together. And having been created in God's image, we were created to live life in community as well. For there's joy in community. This past week, the youth discovered this for themselves. As a youth group, they reflected our daily experience, such as joined meals and shared walks through nature, allowed, allowed us to experience a greater sense of community and contentment. Each day, they had an opportunity con to connect with small groups, not just as pinnacle, but small groups from other churches as well. And they admitted that maybe on Monday they were a bit shy, a bit reserved, but I can tell you by Friday, Pinnacle's youth were taking small group photos with youth from Alabama and South Carolina, Florida and Tennessee, the list goes on. They spent time together reflecting, they went rock hopping on creeks, they shared in worship and they wrote letters of encouragement for one another to take home. They welcomed one another exactly as each of them are. In other words, they received a taste of what is to come in the kingdom of heaven. The joy of the body of Christ, the connectional nature of the church, of knowing that there are more teenagers like them and they are not alone. When we live together in community, we receive the same foretaste of heaven. We receive the same joy in knowing that we are not alone, that we have someone to praise God together with, we have someone to grow with, we have someone who can help hold us up, we have someone who can remind us or help us find God's joy again in case we've lost it. Are you seeking out the joy that is the body of Christ? whether it be Sunday worship, Bible study, fellowship, whatever it might be, just connecting with the person in the pew, how are you experiencing this joy? So Pinnacle, here's your homework assignment from your high schoolers. Regardless of where you are on the journey, choose joy because it's not based on circumstance. Rather, its eyes are fixed on God. With thanksgiving and praise, stop and celebrate the goodness of God in your own authentic way. And then share your joy with others, because the journey can be hard. But thank God we have a faithful God. Thank God we have a loving Savior. Thank God we have a sustaining Holy Spirit. And thank God we have one another. Joyfully in Christ, Audrey, Dylan, Brooke. Lily, Ben, Kyle, Gracie, Alexa, Ryan, Matt, Laurel, David, Maddie. Amen.